Well, we made it until February before the nonsense surrounding Caleb Williams in the NFL draft got completely out of control. So let's get to the bottom of this. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow Lockdown Bears on all of your favorite social media platforms, including the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel, where you can keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Lockdown Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. On the show today, we wade into, gently, into the nonsense surrounding Caleb Williams, this time coming from Colin Cowherd over at Fox Sports and I, I hesitate with this whole episode because I you know I hate to fuel the fire, but I think it's important that once it's already become a big, you know, circling story mess that we kind of sift through it a little bit, get to the bottom of this and understand what happened, why it happened and why it's a non- nonsense and a, and a waste of our time so that we can then hopefully do better at avoiding it in the future. We'll kind of go through what Colin Coward said, what Caleb Williams camp then said to kind of correct that and, and how this whole sort of, news cycle works here in the sports media world and why this idea of Caleb Williams refusing to play for the Bears or holding out to not play for the Bears and wanting to play for Washington or someone else instead is nonsense and and kind of why that's not going to happen. And then I want to talk more broadly about how this kind of stuff happens, both in terms of the sports media industry, but also when it comes to Caleb Williams being the number one overall pick and kind of this consensus guy where we get to this like paralysis by over analysis because we've just had so much time to look at and talk about and nitpick everything about Caleb Williams that we start to get into nonsense like this, where Colin Cowherd goes on his show, The Herd, and insinuates, implies, says directly that that Caleb Williams and his group do not want to go to Chicago. That the the Caleb that Colin Cowherd said that that there are concerns about the Bears and that Caleb Williams and his camp have concerns about the Bears and that because I think Caleb Williams is from the D.C. area and that Washington is picking number two and that, in Colin Coward's opinion, Washington is a better landing spot for Colin, for, for Caleb Williams, that then all of a sudden Caleb does not want to go to the Bears. And I think there was some murmurings early on in this draft process that, you know, before, you know, at the end of the season, whether or not Caleb Williams would come out this year or not in the draft, whether he'd come back and whether or not the team that picked number one would have an influence or a factor on that. And of course, all this is set by sort of the precedent of, you remember back Eli Manning and Philip Rivers in the 2004 draft where, you know, Eli refused to play for the Chargers, but the Chargers were picking number one. So they ended up taking him and trading him to the Giants and the Giants took Philip Rivers and traded him back. And it was, it was a messy situation. And so you're sort of drawing the connections there between that and Caleb Williams this year. But then Colin says that on his show and 24 hours go by, you know, the next day on the show, unsurprisingly, walking it back because, and Colin Coward was transparent about it. He says, I got a call 
from Caleb Williams's camp. And they went, whoa, 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 Colin, we don't want to be painted as anti-Chicago. They don't want to be painted as anti-Bears. And they made it clear to Colin Cowherd that like, hey, listen, Caleb doesn't want to go to a city that doesn't care, but Chicago cares. You know, he said they're big, they're loud, they're passionate. Like he, he went on to say like they don't, you know, they don't want to go to like a Sunbelt type, you know, like a Sunbelt school where they have to put tarps over seats in the upper deck because they can't sell out the stadium because the team doesn't care. And it's very clear that Chicago cares. I mean, I don't even have to tell you <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast and if you follow the Bears as a team, like, yeah, obviously the Bears are a place that's going to care. And so, of course, Caleb Williams is not going to have a problem trying to go and, and enjoy in Chicago. He said that Caleb Williams camp said there's a path to succeed in Chicago. You know, they compared it a little bit to the Houston Texans with a defensive coach, some weapons, some cap space, draft picks. So, so there's, there's certainly like a walking back there where Caleb Williams's camp, I guess via Colin Cowherd, sort of set the record straight. They're like, no, they're fine with the Chicago Bears. And yet it still cycles, right? You know, that's because the first loud wrong from Colin Cowherd is what got all the attention, right? All the headlines. Are, oh my gosh. Colin Cowherd says Caleb Williams doesn't want to play for the Bears. The correction then doesn't get as much of the attention. I think enough from Chicago Bears fans who are, you know, a little bit more intimately invested in the truth out of this matter. But, you know, the national fan of, a, of another team or an NFL draft follower person might not hear the correction as loudly as they heard the initial sort of, I don't even can call it a report from Colin Cowherd since it was pretty quickly, you know, refuted, but still like it's this kind of nonsense that I'm tired of already. And it's just February, you know, we still got more than two full months, like almost three full months until the NFL draft at the end of April. And it's like, I like, I'm glad we made it to February, I guess, before it got totally out of control like this, but it's like Caleb Williams declared for the draft. You know, like there's no, there's no going back at this point. If he didn't want to play for the bears, he would have to, you know, raise a certain level of stink. And, and all that is just not going to happen. Like it's, and it's not going to happen like this, certainly, but Colin Cowherd knows what he's doing there. And I mean, I actually, I actually have a decent amount of respect for Colin in terms of like, he's very good at what he does in terms of saying things that he knows will get attention because there are no consequences here, right? Colin Coward is not going to lose his job because he said the wrong thing about Caleb Williams and the Bears and then corrected that about Caleb Williams and the Bears. He's not going to be fined by some, you know, commissioner of sports radio, right? I mean, there's there are virtually no consequences for Colin Coward because think about it. Like you might say, well, doesn't he lose credibility because he said something that was wrong? And that's the thing is Colin Coward says the things that are wrong all the time. And even so, every time he says the new thing, it gets the same amount of tension. Like he might not have that much credibility to you. Is he going to lose listeners because he's wrong? Well, you probably weren't listening to Colin Cowherd before this, and you're not going to listen to him afterwards. And if you were listening, like, and if you already listened to Colin Cowherd, you're probably not going to stop just because of this. You know what I mean? Like he does this kind of thing all the time. He has a take that he knows will get a lot of attention. And then it gets a lot of attention. And even if it's wrong, it doesn't matter. He got the attention. It's an attention economy here. And Colin Coward is very good at the attention economy. You know why he's very good? Because you might think Colin Coward sits at a desk and talks into a microphone every day by himself. That's true. He also has a team of hired writers. That show has writers. He has a staff of people that help him 
write that show. Doesn't mean he's reading from a script, but like they meticulously plan, produce, prepare what he's going to say in order to get attention. I mean, that's the name of the game. Like, mo like I don't, you know, most sports radio people do not have writers. You know, obviously this podcast, I mean, I sit here and I talk, right? I mean, I, I put a little outline together for myself, but like Colin Coward has a team of writers to help craft what he says. So things like this happen, it gets aggregated. He gets interviewed now on ESPN Chicago today. You know what I mean? It's a whole new cycle that he creates for himself just by saying this thing about Caleb Williams, getting a correction from Caleb Williams' camp, which is also pretty good credibility. He got the attention from everybody that he wanted to. National media got the attention from Caleb's people, so now he's talking to them. You see how this works? Like He wins, whether he's right or wrong, because we all talk about it. And I know, like, okay, but Lauren, now you're talking about it. Aren't you helping him win? Probably a little bit, but in my defense, he has already won. Me talking about it more on this podcast, I'm not sure that it you know, all of a sudden adds more attention for Colin. He already got all the attention he was looking for. This is me trying to sort of sift through it for you to understand, okay, here's why it happened and here's why it's a bunch of nonsense. I also want to get into why it's nonsense, not only from the media side of things where it's the attention economy, but also from like the football side of things and why that just doesn't make sense as to how this played out through Colin Coward and with Caleb Williams next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at Nissan. If you ever wonder what adventures could be around the corner, our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. When I was down in Mobile this week, I actually rented a Nissan Rogue, and the 2024 Nissan Rogue is coming out now. It's perfect for city drives and great escapes. I really liked the Rogue in Mobile. It's comfortable, sits sits high, and but you're not like up, you feel like you're in like a big truck either, but... It's smooth. It's got you know all the bells and whistles, the adaptive cruise control and the lane assist and everything is is super nice. And it just is a smooth drive. You kind of sit back, relax, and feel like you're in complete control. Nissan's lineup also includes the 2024 Pathfinder that has room for eight with an expansive cargo capacity and advanced available 4x4 capability, 284 horse horsepower, 6,000 pounds towing. So when adventure calls, the Pathfinder is also there to answer. So... Take the Nissan Rogue or the Nissan Pathfinder and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. Caleb Williams is not going to hold out and refuse to play for the Chicago Bears. There's just not a path there, and there's not really logic behind that move. And even if he were... This is not how it would happen, right? Like, let's, 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 I want to get into the football logic for a second here, but like, before we get into that, like, if Caleb Williams decided, okay, I do not want to play for the Chicago Bears, if we hypothetically were to believe that is true, do you think we're going to find out from Colin Cowherd on his Fox Sports radio show? Like, don't get me wrong, Colin, I think, knows people and is someone, I mean, Caleb Williams' people called him, like, he's got some connections, but... If Colin, I mean, if Caleb Williams is making that decision, it's not coming out through Colin Cowherd, right? I mean, I don't know whether it's Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport or he just puts out a thing on Twitter or his agent does, but like, whatever it is, it's not going to be out through Colin Cowherd at the beginning of February. Like, that's just not how this would work. I, I would think if I'm Caleb Williams and I definitively didn't want to play for the Chicago Bears for some reason, regardless, again, hypothetically, doesn't have to make sense, but he just decides that. You, you have to go out and make it very clear 
and be direct in your communication there and kind of set this up to say, listen, we don't want to go to the Bears for X, Y, or Z. We will refuse to play for the Bears. And so we demand that the Bears don't take us or that they trade us. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it would have to be a very sort of direct process here to make this as smooth as possible for him because you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be the the malcontent, you know, you don't want it to be such a big red flag that, oh, this this diva quarterback or whatever is trying to shoehorn his way into whatever team he wants to be. But it would have to be like, hey, listen, we don't feel like that organization or that team is the best position for Caleb. And so we're going to politely and respectfully as possible <laughs> refuse to play there and maybe not even specifically demand that he gets to play for the commanders, but just demand to not go there. And that's where, again, like from a football logic standpoint, this really starts to fall apart. Like, yes, the Bears have the number one overall pick, but they weren't even the worst team in football last season, right? They don't have the number one overall pick because they were so terrible. They have the number one overall pick because the Carolina Panthers were so terrible. And I could see where, say the Panthers hadn't drafted Bryce Young last season, but went through everything they went through this season with Tepper and firing Frank Reich, and now they have the number one overall pick and needed a quarterback. That's a spot where if I'm Caleb Williams, I think twice about letting the Carolina Panthers draft me in this current state of that franchise and potentially ruin my career. But you look at the Chicago Bears, sure, not a perfect team, not a perfect organization. A lot that we've criticized here on the podcast, a lot to not like about different things. And maybe it depends on how you feel about Matt Eberflus, but maybe it's not the perfect landing spot. But a number again, number one overall pick is never going to be a perfect landing spot for any quarterback. The team is picking number one for a reason. But the Bears are not that kind of franchise. Like this is just not where in the modern NFL, this is just not where teams are at this point. Like back in, back when Eli Manning refused to play for the Chargers, there was a perception that like organizationally, again, back in 2004 or whenever that was, that like the Chargers were a bit of a mess in terms of how ownership was handling things, how the front office was structured. And so they had been doing some losing in a number of years leading up to that. Not that they were, you know, the worst team in the NFL over and over and over again, but like it had been pretty messy in Los Angeles, or I guess, sorry, San Diego at the time. And they had Drew Brees at the time as well. And so Eli didn't want, didn't want to go. And it kind of worked out for everyone involved there. And it's a little bit surprising that that never really stuck with Eli as far as like a red flag about him, but it helped that he won two Super Bowls and never left New York. You know, like th those two things were a big part of, rehabilitating that image and not making that big of a problem. And also Eli Manning had leverage that Caleb Williams does not have. You know, Eli had a very successful NFL father to where Eli Manning was threatening, you know, I'm just not going to play for a year if the Chargers draft me and keep me. And he could kind of sit back and like, not to be like daddy's money, but you know, like Eli Manning's, Eli Manning's family had money. Like he could sit back and not play and be fine for a year. I mean, it, there was leverage there. I'm not saying he would have, but there was a pretty consistent threat there. Whereas like, you know, Caleb Williams already declared for the NFL draft. So he can't like go back to USC and rack in some more NIL deals for a while. I mean, I guess he could do sponsorships while he's not playing. I'm sure some you know, car dealerships or whatever would love to have Caleb Williams as a spokesperson. I mean, he could make money. And I, I don't know that, I don't know a lot about Caleb Williams' family background. I'm sure they're not like, you know, desolate or anything. Like could, could he refuse to play for a full season? I guess. But it doesn't seem like he has a lot of incentive to for for any reason. And so like it just doesn't 
there's just not really a, a logical path for Caleb Williams to truly decide, yeah, I don't want to play for the Chicago Bears, especially because the franchise is in, we can debate how good of a position it is, but you, he can look at the Bears roster and go, okay, got a, got a good running game. They have a they have some stability at head coach right now. The defense played very well. They got DJ Moore, and certainly this offseason, they're going to have more ability to build around the quarterback, and he certainly sees like how the fan base has rallied around Justin Fields, even, even still, as the team likely prepares to move on from Fields. Still has a lot of support out there, and I totally get it. I mean, I, I want Justin Fields to be successful as well. I'm not an anti-Justin Fields person by any means, but more so, like, Caleb looks at that and goes, I can be the king of that town. And if Caleb Williams comes to Chicago and throws for the first 4,000-yard season in Bears history, he will be a legend forever. Like, whatever he does beyond that doesn't matter. He doesn't have to, you don't have to win a Super Bowl. You don't have to, I don't know, you might not even necessarily have to win the NFC North to still be a legend here if he just comes and is a very, very good quarterback. Like, there's plenty of reason why Chicago is still an attractive destination. We don't have to say it's the most attractive destination, but it's an attractive destination for a quarterback to come into. And I think in the same way that the possibility of getting to coach Caleb was attractive for Shane Waldron and Thomas Brown and the other offensive coaches that all came to the Chicago Bears this offseason. So I think when you apply any kind of scrutiny and logic to the idea that Caleb doesn't want to play for Chicago, it falls pretty flat. And then when Caleb Williams camp comes out and says, no, we're not anti-Chicago, we're not anti-Bears, then this all is just nonsense, and it's all, again, part of this attention economy thing of, of that Colin Coward is very good at, and I respect that he's good at it. It makes him a very wealthy radio host, and it gets people talking about it, and then he gets to do interviews about the thing that he said that he was wrong about, and yeah, it's, it's one big fun cycle, and I hope his writers are very, very well paid over there at Fox Sports. But all of this is like a... a a microcosm of what happens to a quarterback like Caleb Williams when you've been the guy for two years now. And eventually we start to analyze and focus and fixate on so many different things that you get a lot of nonsense that squeezes out like this. And I want to talk more broadly about like how this kind of over analysis ends up happening for quarterbacks like Caleb Williams and guys in drafts before him next on Locked On Bears. This episode of Locked On Bears is brought to you by LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner has been asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. And that's why they've created tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Whether you're looking for your Caleb Williams or whether you're a Caleb Williams looking for your team to reach out and correct something that Colin Cowherd says, you got to have the right people around you. And LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals that make it the best place to find the best candidates. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Lockdown Bears is also brought to you by our friends at DoorDash, a delivery service that's here to bring all of your favorites right to your door. Whether it's the big game, your big party next Sunday that you want to get all of your favorites brought over, or hey, you know, it's getting to the end of the first half and you ran out of wings, or you ran out of chips, you ran out of soda, DoorDash can bring it right to your door. Or you know what? You need a meal, game's over, you're hungry, or even pre-game meal, so you're loaded up before the game, 
DoorDash will find all of your favorites from your area and bring it right to your door. It's a great way to also support local restaurants in your area that might not be able to staff their own delivery service for their restaurant, but DoorDash, you could still have that money go right to the business owners, the restaurant owners in your own community. Right now, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. Just download the DoorDash app and enter in our promo code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. That's 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app, LOCKED23. Caleb Williams has become the latest victim of what ends up being over-analysis for a top quarterback in the draft. We see this happen quite a bit. I wasn't, I wasn't going to say every year because it's usually a certain set of circumstances that need to be met, almost like certain criteria to where we kind of reach this point with quarterbacks, where the guy has been the guy for a little while now, right? It wasn't the one great season meteoric rise of, say, like a Joe Burrow, where he dominates his last year at LSU, plays himself into being the number one overall pick. And that all kind of happened in kind of a hurry, right? Like, not, not that Joe Burrow wasn't an NFL prospect before that, but like really kind of elevated himself to be number one pick later on in the process. And so we only had so much time where we were talking about Joe Burrow as the number one overall pick. But we've been talking about Caleb Williams as a future number one overall pick for at least two seasons. And it maybe dates back even farther than that. Like maybe initially it wasn't for sure. Number one, but he was like in early in his football career, it's like, Oh, this guy is an NFL quarterback. This guy is going to be really good. And then after a couple of years, it's like, Oh, this guy is the best quarterback in college football and a future number one overall pick. And, you know, pro bowl hall of fame, NFL player, right? That, that that's where the conversation starts to go. And so when we've had, a good let's 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 even be conservative and call it 24 months maybe now that we're in february it would be 25 months but let's say 2 years of Caleb Williams is the number one overall pick he's the best quarterback he's the next great thing after so many months like there's only so many different ways you can break down Caleb Williams film talk about what Caleb Williams does on and off the field and project him to the NFL and you kind of it's not that you run out of things to say or things to talk about him, but like you then start to look for more things. And that's where I think we end up having these stupid conversations about him crying on the sideline after their big loss, I think against Washington and, you know, going over and being with his mom and being sort of comforted by his mom. And she's covering his head and face while he's crying on the sideline. We have dumb conversations then about, you know, can he, is he mentally strong enough? Is he tough enough? Whatever. I mean, it's, it's all meaningless towards whether or not he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL or not. And same thing happens with, you know, he paints his fingernails. He puts little footballs and other things on his fingernails. Like we, we did a podcast talking about this a couple of weeks ago now, like it's not germane in any way toward is he going to be a great quarterback in the NFL or not? Like these are, these are things that are superfluous and people try and twist them into being things that matter. And that's where the over analysis comes in, right? Like people, it, it almost, it becomes controversial to say those things don't matter because everybody wants to analyze any little thing they can, because they've got all this time to, and they've had, you know, we've been analyzing him for so long that 
you know, you obviously, like naturally, if you're trying to, de to determine if a quarterback is going to be the right guy for your franchise, you want to take in as much information as possible and analyze as much information as possible to be as sure as possible that he's your guy. But the problem is then when you take in so much information, we have trouble then properly waiting, waiting, W-E-I-G-H-T, you know, applying the appropriate amount of weight to what matters more than other things and what actually matters and is meaningful and what isn't as meaningful. And you start to like, as like, as we all accept, like, okay, yeah, he's a very good quarterback who does a lot of great things, but he paints his fingernails. And all of a sudden we start paying really close attention to this thing. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like the thing that matters, the big thing was like the, the incredible throws he made at USC and the way he could work through the pocket and avoid pressure and, and still extend plays and throw the ball downfield. And, and all of a sudden we end up being focused on these dumb things that don't actually matter. And it becomes kind of a Rorschach test where it's like, okay, if you, if you don't like Caleb Williams or whatever, then you're going to say that he cries on the sideline and paints his fingernails means he's not the right quarterback. And that he, these are, these are flaws and these are reasons why you shouldn't draft him. And if you like Caleb Williams, it's easy to, it's easy to kind of just brush those aside. But, but I mean, I do think generally, and I'm trying not to be like, trying to get trapped in my own like biases here, but like we, we talked about it, like players cry on sidelines all the time. We just don't see it. It happened in the championship games this weekend, the AFC and NFC championship games, when the Lions blew it at the end there and the Ravens lost it. Like players were crying on the sideline and you don't hear people saying, oh man, you know, I think it was Zay Flowers. Was he the one, was he the one that fumbled at the, when he dove for the end zone or was it whoever the Ravens guy that dove towards the end zone? Like he was crying on the sidelines and no one's going like, oh man, that guy's not mentally tough enough for the NFL because he had a hundred yards in, in the AFC championship game. Like this stuff happens all the time. And I guarantee you NFL players currently in the NFL paint their fingernails and no one gives a crap. I got to, I got to remember to not swear because we're owned by a TV station now. No one cares. It's not important to their ability to be a football player. And so, but we get caught up in this over analysis of Caleb Williams. Like what we should be talking about is does Caleb Williams hold the ball too long? Does he go through his progressions quickly enough? Is he a quick enough decider with the football? Can he get away with the things he got away with in college in the NFL? Can you coach out of him some of the negative traits that you saw on film? And how how much risk are you willing to take on there? Like how confident are you that, okay, some of the mistakes that pop up are correctable and aren't going to continue in the NFL versus things that are going to plague him through his career and keep him from being as excellent as a quarterback as we've seen him be in USC. Like those are the conversations about Caleb Williams we're going to have here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. Like that's the stuff that I want to talk about. That's the stuff we need to talk about. That's the stuff that's actually important. And Colin Cowherd doing this stuff about, well, he does, he doesn't want to play in Chicago or certainly conversations about the crying and the, the fingernails and whatever. Like that's all nonsense that I, I already feel like we've spent too much time talking about because it's not important. But like, I think it's important on the front end to establish, hey, these things that, other people are talking about are not important. So that's why we're not going to focus on that as we move forward here in the process. Like we're setting kind of the foundation on the front end. Like, Hey, we haven't, we're going to do in-depth scouting reports on Caleb Williams. We're going to talk to quarterback evaluators that I trust and people that do the work and go through the film and write great scouting reports that have been successful at scouting quarterbacks in the past. Like we're in the Matt Waldman's, the Mark Schofield's of the world, Derek Clausen, like guys that are good at this. We're going to talk about Caleb Williams and really get to know the stuff that matters. So on the front end, I want to say like, hey, that other stuff doesn't matter. So stop paying attention to it and start paying attention to when we really get into the meat of the quarterback evaluation. Got plenty of time to get to it. I don't want to overdo Caleb Williams stuff in February when the draft is still 
almost three months away, but we still got to talk about free agency coming up. The NFL Combine's coming up as well. Planning to head down there this year in addition to this past week at the Senior Bowl. So lots of goodies coming your way. That's why you got to subscribe to Lockdown Bears on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's the way you can keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Senior Bowl travel has made this week kind of a funky, between we had we had bad audio earlier this week and then weird timing. I got, I got delayed twice at the airport on Thursday and it ended up being a 12-hour travel day, so we didn't have the podcast out like, First thing in the morning, like usual, but I still want to talk about the Caleb Williams things, but we're home now, you know, back in my home studio, regular microphone, regular background, radio, regular setup for everything. So we'll be stable for now. Hopefully uh, when we go to Indy at the end of February, I'll have my stuff a little bit more together in terms of like tried a few new things this year. Some stuff was good. Some stuff wasn't in terms of audio and video. So it's a work in progress taking the podcast on the road, but thanks for listening throughout. Thanks for coming along with us on this, on our journeys across the country. And I hope in exchange... You got to have another opportunity to bear down.